All right, welcome to Approaching Zion, our Come Follow Me series. We are so excited to be starting this. Book of Mormon. It's a good uh, good year to kick off a Come Follow Me um, kind of mini podcast and be able to go through and study and provide some some ideas we have, some perspective and a little context around each of these lessons. Anyone who's listened to any of our other podcast series, uh, they know that we have rock-solid testimonies, spiritual witnesses of the Book of Mormon. Yep. Know for a fact that it is true and the power that that book has, and we just cannot be more excited to to start this series. And hopefully we can be consistent and get one out weekly. Yeah, I think we will. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is we kind of had this idea of like, man, wouldn't it be cool to do a Come Follow Me podcast as well? And then we talked about that before we even realized, this was months ago, before we even realized that it was going to be Book of Mormon this year. And then when we yeah. found out it was well, Book of Mormon, I think that got us even more excited. Well, a while back, we were like, we were going to do an episode on uh, on our Gospel Mysteries podcast. We were going to do an episode on the Book of Mormon. We were like, man, Book of Mormon could just be its own podcast yeah. altogether. Yeah. And then we were like, wait, come follow me. It's going to be Book of Mormon. Like, how perfect is that? Yeah. It worked out, man. So what are we trying to accomplish with this Come Follow Me series? Uh, well, we're certainly not trying to uh, replace anyone's personal study of the Book of Mormon or the Come Follow Me and home and family, um, but we, you know, would like to be maybe an auxiliary reference. Um, use this as a way just to share some of our ideas, some of the um, uh, things that we are getting out of our study. Yeah, and you know, hopefully, both sides can be edified by the Spirit, and it can be good for us and good for whoever wanders onto this channel and and watches this content. Yeah, I think we just want to provide some perspective, connect some dots that maybe people overlook or, or just don't spend a lot of time thinking about because they're focusing on some of the, the bigger items from each chapter and each lesson, and that makes perfect sense. Sometimes you, you kind of connect some of these dots underneath, and it provides a really nice framework and, and uh uh, foundation to build off of and and deepens and and really actually even clarifies some of the topics and uh, doctrine that's being taught in in each of the uh, lessons and in particular each of the chapters of the Book of Mormon. So um, hopefully we can help people kind of think through and, and deepen their understanding and their love for and appreciation for the miracle that is the Book of Mormon. And we're going to try to kind of at a high level follow the template that's in the Come Follow Me manual. Uh, but we're not going to be going word for word through what the manual is teaching. Like, like we just said, um, you know, that's for personal study for each to go through individually. We're going to follow kind of the themes yeah. in the manual, but we may we may go off and give some additional insight. And you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the the manual is written for all audiences. So, at some levels, right, the manual follows just narratives, stories within the Book of Mormon. And at other times, it points to particular pieces of doctrine. But, I mean, the Book of Mormon is so rich that a single manual cannot cover every verse, every every piece of, every pearl of great price yeah. <laughs> that is they within the Book of Mormon. So we may we may pick out a few verses that, you know, as we study through this series that really jump out and are meaningful to us that may not be a point of focus on this year's manual. So uh, hopefully that's where the additional insight can come in. Um, that, that we're bringing out of our, our kind of more in-depth study of the actual Book of Mormon content itself versus kind of the outline and, and 
paragraphs within the manual. And I think for us too, one of the things we really want to drive home, because we have found that when you truly feast upon the words and you do it with real desire, with real intent, it's a game changer. I mean, it completely changes, not just, it not just transforms you, but it, 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 it takes the gospel and it becomes real and tangible in your life. And you are literally reborn and become a new creature. And that's ultimately what, what we're seeking to do here. So hopefully we can give people some inspiration and, and upliftment, encouragement to, hey, really seek after these things with real intent, with a pure heart and, and truly desire it and, and just watch the miracles happen once you do that. It, the, the Lord will come and attend you and, and he'll bless you and give you wisdom and knowledge. So let's uh, switch views here, pull up the, the manual. And before we even get into this first lesson, uh, there's a section on introductory materials. And it begins with a chapter called Conversion is Our Goal. So I actually wanted to start here because this is just so important. And this is such a beautiful section. It's just beautifully written. And it says, The aim of all gospel learning and teaching is to deepen our conversion and help us become more like Jesus Christ. We're not just looking for new information. We want to become a new creature. Mm. So this is so important because sometimes we're reading the scriptures and we're just reading the words or we're kind of going through and reading the story. But it's not about knowing the dates and the facts and the events and the chronology and new information be able to recite information about the Book of Mormon. No, we want to be able to study it with the intent of changing our hearts, of being converted to Christ and becoming more Christ-like in our hearts and in our daily lives, becoming a new creature, a, a Christ-like creature. And this is just, you know, hopefully we'll keep remembering this and we'll keep pulling this up from, from week to week because mm. this is this is everything. The purpose of, of Scripture study, the purpose of the Gospel— Right? It's, it's not an intellectual exercise, it's a spiritual exercise. And it's, it should be meaningful in a way that, is, uh, that changes our hearts and changes our natures. Now, it's little by little, it's line upon line. Right? We, it's, we're not necessarily going to you know, read some scriptures, wake up the next day, completely change a different person. Right? This is something that is habitual, that we do day to day. It should become part of who we are. And... Right, one day you wake up and you realize, wow, I am a completely different creature than who I was ten years ago, yeah. five years ago, whatever it may be. Certainly, we've gone through that experience, mm-hmm. and you will have moments where there are, you feel like there's there's big changes and drastic changes and big wins and big victories. But it's living the gospel is a roller coaster. You have ups and downs, but the goal is to be consistent and to trend upward, right towards our heavenly Father, towards celestial glory, always. Conversion is our goal. Yeah, and that exactly what it says here. We want to become a new creature, and this is very reminiscent of of President Nelson's perfection um, perfection pending talk, where he says, "Look, we are working towards the ideal. We are working towards the celestial. We may not be that yet, but we're on the road. We are becoming that, and that's exactly what we're trying to." To, to achieve personally, you and I, and something that Come Follow Me is clearly trying to get the saints to um, understand as well is 
that we we are building the attributes to where we can become what we hope to become. And that's exactly what this is alluding to here is the journey, the development of, uh, of the attributes and the, and the desires and the love and seeking after those Christ-like attributes, which ultimately will lead to the, the final destination, so to speak, of, of what we all hope for in the future. But right now, we just need to focus day to day on are we becoming that individual and developing those Christ-like attributes in, 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 um, in our day-to-day life. And I think that's in part, you know, President Nelson's current message is think celestial. Yeah, exactly right. So it's not about, right, the information. Think celestial is about applying, letting, letting the doctrine that you study, letting the truths, the beautiful truths of the gospel take root in your heart and be applied. Mm-hmm. So thinking celestial it's not about thinking about information it's about actually being seeking to be worthy and apply those principles and then live a repentant life where where you can you can always have that grace in your day-to-day life to have that the holy ghost with you and to be lifted up and to have that peace that the gospel provides and there's some beautiful pieces in here just in this section um True conversion requires the influence of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost guides us to the truth and bears witness of that truth. He enlightens our minds, quickens our understandings, touches our hearts with revelation from God, the source of all truth. The Holy Ghost purifies our hearts. He he inspires in us a desire to live by truth, and he whispers to us ways to do this. The Holy Ghost shall teach us all things. So the Holy Ghost, inviting the Holy Ghost, having the Holy Ghost with us is paramount to correct use of the scriptures, of studying the Book of Mormon, and and really doing it in a way that will provide conversion in our lives. And I, I like where it talks about, he touches our hearts with revelation from God. You know, one of the things that, that we we really harp on with people is having that that walk with God, that personal communion with with the Father that the grace and mercy of Christ allows to to take place and to exist. And and so often we don't take advantage of that. We don't realize that that's available to us in its fullness. And yet that's exactly what they're trying to convey to us here is that truth directly from the Father is available to us and what we should be seeking after. And the Book of Mormon is one of the greatest tools that opens, you know, kind of that stairway to heaven. It, it helps part that veil. And when we truly seek after truth, that's when the Holy Ghost facilitates our ability to commune directly with the Father and to receive truth from Him. And that's where your knowledge comes from then. Once you do that, once you receive that truth and understanding from the Father, then you can't deny you know, your your faith starts to turn into knowledge as you continue little by little to receive that light directly from him, the source of the light. I've got a quote here from Elder Packer. True doctrine understood changes attitudes and behavior. The study of doctrines of the gospel will improve behavior quicker than a study of behavior will improve behavior. Preoccupation with unworthy behavior 
can lead to unworthy behavior. That is why we stress so forcefully the study of the doctrines of the gospel. Uh, so, Hailman, so, so, so really what you want to do is we want to take a positive, proactive approach to studying the gospel, and that is the means by which we can overcome our weaknesses and our sins and, and the behaviors within us that we want to overcome. Yep. So a lot of times we just spend so focused on, oh, why, why, why am I so terrible at, at this or that? Or why am I so weak? Or this is so hard. And when you're focused on the negative, right, that, that ends up restricting the spirit and putting you down. When you can, when you can put that aside, let, let the grace of Christ kind of c- cover that, lean on him a little more, and then start focusing on doing positive, uplifting, good things, such as studying the scriptures and bringing the Spirit into your life that way, right? That's that's how that conversion takes root in our hearts. It's through the positive, getting rid of that negative mindset, focusing on the positive, bringing the Spirit into our lives that way. And that's what Elder Packer is saying, is that, that that's the, that's the um, perspective of the brethren mm. on the correct approach on how to... Uh, how to apply scripture study and how to use it. And there's a lot to be gained personally from that approach and, and taking that approach to the scriptures and that that is the way that we can actually overcome our weaknesses and really apply that grace, receive that peace, receive the Holy Ghost more fully in our lives. Yeah, one of the most detrimental and and really just, just nasty things about sin and and following or or falling into um, the ways of the world, so to speak, is that for a man or a woman who has greater light, who has received greater light, and truly desires to live up to that knowledge that they have and that truth that they have, you naturally, instinctively tend to focus on these areas then where you know you're falling short. And it's it is so it, it it's so detrimental because not only is it taking up space and and bandwidth and 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 capital real estate in your mind that could be being used to focus elsewhere, it's completely denying the atonement and repentance in your life because ultimately what repentance is designed to do is lift that burden off of you. But we have a tendency. And this coming from somebody who has dealt with significant sin for decades in their life, it has a tendency to, um, we feel like we have to do it, right? Like I have righteous desires. I want to overcome this particular problem or this particular, you know, addiction or whatever it is that it may have. And as somebody who has suffered from multiple addictions and took 20 years to finally get to a point where I was like, I'm. I can now move beyond this. You you don't realize just how um, limiting, but worse than that, how wicked it is to think that me focusing on the problem is going to fix the problem. Because without realizing it, you're trying to turn yourself into the savior, and that will never be. That that cannot be. And you're trying to replace the gift and the mercy of Christ with you. And that is always a false starting point. And so you well, have to get away from that level of something thinking. Something I've said, well, I think I was talking to one of the missionaries once, but 
they were talking about an investigator they had and he was having trouble getting, I don't know if it was, you know, cigarettes or alcohol or whatever he was trying to get over. Uh, but we com- I commented that like the, the way to overcome addiction is not like trying to overcome addiction mm. uh, because that's relying on the strength of your own flesh. Yep. Right. And then I, I made the comment, you're, you're, you're relying on the person that got you into that situation to begin with. Exactly right. Yep. <laughs> Whereas the way you overcome it is through Christ, is through bringing the Holy Ghost and Christ more present into your daily life. And that's where healing occurs. And that is when people say, and, and I, this is a bit of a euphemism and it gets thrown around, but when people say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, never is it painted more directly in in the light of i'm i'm not a terrible person i've made poor choices or bad choices they've led me to a place in which i'm having a hard time overcoming some of those bad choices now but because i'm a decent person i i i want to do my part i want to work my way out of this i i'm going to solve the problem and that's really the the perfect example of road to hell being paved with good intentions you cannot do it. And whatever program you go through, whether it's ARP through the church or you go through, you know, 12 steps um, through AA or whatever, every every foundation of any of those programs is surrender yourself, surrender who you are and your will, and then turn it over to essentially the Lord to do that. And that's what we're saying in, in what President Packer is trying to say there is you must put first things first and you cannot put yourself First, in regards to thinking that no matter the intention you have or, or where your heart wants to be, you do not have the capacity to overcome. And that's why repentance is such a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. because ultimately what the Lord is seeking to do is alleviate and remove that burden from you. So now you have the confidence of, I can go now and focus on the beautiful things of the gospel. That's grace. That's grace. That is grace. When you truly go and repent, and if you understand grace, to know, I am now free of these burdens. I don't have to think about them anymore. And then you pour your heart into the beautiful, the good, the righteous that the gospel provides. That's when so much opens up at that point. So much revelation and insight and the love and and the mercy of Christ really takes over your life, you know. But regardless of how good intentioned you are, if you consistently think focusing on the problem is going to solve it, the opposite will happen. Mm-hmm. It will It will be you what you wake up thinking about and what you go to bed thinking about. It can't about. be, I just need to do better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's too much reliant on, on you. Yeah. It has to be, I can become better through the atonement of Christ. Christ. Yep. I can invite the Holy Ghost into my life through small and simple things. And Christ can heal me. Yep, that's that's where it's at. And this this uh, introduction here, this conversion is our goal section. It ends with probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen written in in the works of the church. We should seek after whatever invites the influence of the Spirit and reject whatever drives that influence away. For we know that if we can be worthy of the presence of the Holy Ghost. We can also be worthy to live in the presence of Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Man, that just hit me so hard. That is just so beautiful to me. Because, I mean, I think it's very common for people to focus or worry on 
you know, am am I worthy for celest for the celestial kingdom to return into the presence of God to to receive our my Savior Jesus Christ into my life? And we always, of course, have that tendency to say no because we know our weaknesses, we know our faults. But I think any member of the church would say, if, if you ask them can you be worthy to have the presence of the Holy Ghost with you? We would all say, yes, Yeah. we can do that. We can repent. We can, we've all felt the Holy Ghost. We've all, we, you know, we've had that experience as members of the church and, and we're confident that we can have the presence of the Holy Ghost. Well, what we're saying here, what's being taught here is that if you can be worthy of the presence of the Holy Ghost, that's it. Mm-hmm. That is the purpose of the gospel is, is to have that witness that we can have God with us, that we can be one with, with the Godhead, and if we're worthy of the presence of one member of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost, we know—that's the word it uses. We can know that we can be worthy of the Son and the Father as well. It's just dynamite. And the interesting thing with that too is, we talked about this earlier off air when we were discussing baptism by fire. And, and that baptism that the Holy Ghost brings, it truly is a cleansing agent. When you have one of those experiences where the Holy Ghost descends upon you and, and bears witness of truth, and not only bears witness of truth, but you receive a, a greater portion of this light. You feel it. You know, you, you're consumed by it. It is quite literally a cleansing agent and that you know... I'm I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right things. Well, I now have the, the opportunity. In the same way that baptism by water, right, has that imagery of literal cleansing, yeah. being cleaned by water. Yeah. The baptism by fire, the presence of the Holy Ghost, is also a cleansing agent. That's right. right. We, yeah. when, when the presence of the Holy Ghost comes upon us, we're being immersed in the Spirit, and we're being cleansed spiritually. And that, that however you describe it, that, that feeling, that burning in the bosom, that 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 the fire however you describe that feeling that sensation of the spirit coming over you i think anyone who's felt it knows that there is there is cleansing there is there is peace there's wholeness mm-hmm. that comes with that yeah well it's in it's a it's a preparatory process to live in the presence of the father that's essentially what the holy ghost is is doing is preparing you to permanently live in that state of being and and it's it's literally cleansing you to continue to prepare for that way of of living, and so that's um you know that's that's a beautiful thing here when you when you receive the presence of the Holy Ghost, it is in fact preparing you for the presence of the Godhead, in a, in every aspect. So let's move into the lesson. <laughs> so we're on January first through the seventh, which is the introductory pages of the Book of Mormon. And we'll probably go through this uh, pretty quick. There's a few things to look at here. We've got the we've got the the title page, the introduction, the the testimonies of the witnesses and of Joseph Smith. And there's a few things we've pulled out here that we want to to hit on. But starting with, um, let's actually start with the title page of of the Book of Mormon here. Um, and one thing from the title page is. That the Book of Mormon is not—it's um, not just a history of ancient American civilizations, but it seeks to convince all that Jesus is the Christ. 
right? So the title page of the Book of Mormon, right, it's part of the plates. It's part of the Book of Mormon. It's not something that's been added added later. Um, this is part of, of the translation. And the manual points out that the purpose of the Book of Mormon is not, it's not a history book, mm. right? It's not to teach us about the cultural norms of the Nephites and the Lamanites, right? It is a spiritual book, first and foremost, with the purpose of convincing all who read it, all who come unto it, that Jesus is the Christ. Yep. That's his purpose. First and and foremost, the convincing of Jew and Gentile of all that Jesus is the Christ. Um, that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, is what it says, which is very powerful language. Yeah. That he wasn't just a good man who had good teachings. That Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, and that salvation comes through him, and that it is it is it is he that we should be seeking. Um we've got to keep that in mind as we study the Book of Mormon. Yeah. And we'll study this sh- shortly here, but even Nephi says, you know, I I purposely have created two sets of plates, one for the the righteous, the holy things, and then obviously the larger plates which were for more of the secular. Now there is those plates when abridged by Mormon got a little bit intertwined, but always with the focus of how do we how do we increase faith in and seek to um, uh, promote Christ as as the Savior and as the Messiah and Redeemer of the world, right? So it's always that bent towards the spiritual and less so of the secular, so to speak. Not that some of that isn't woven in, but that's not the focus of the book by any means. And so the title page also says that it was written by the spirit of prophecy and revelation. And I think that's important because um, the Book of Mormon has to be read and interpreted by the same spirit. When we study the Book of Mormon, we need to study it with the same spirit of prophecy and revelation with which it was written. And maybe that seems a little daunting, or it seems like a big ask to say we we have to have the spirit of prophecy. Right. Well, you know, we we just read in the book of Revelation that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Christ. So the Book of Mormon seeks to convince us that Jesus is the Christ. And as we start getting that out of it and right and, and gaining that witness that Jesus is the Christ, that opens up the spirit of prophecy, which will allow us to have uh, full benefit and full access to not just the words, but all of the spiritual intent behind what's written on those pages and, and, and by these prophets of God. We can really get the meaning and the applicability that we, that we seek and that we need out of it. You know, the fascinating thing about this is you, um, you read books from generations past, books that have kind of stood the test of time, but in order to truly understand these books, for instance, you know, when, when I was in high school, they're making me read, you know, Shakespeare and stuff. And before we would even go through and read to his be writings, not to be. We had to, <laughs> but we almost spent just as much time understanding the context around what was going on. Why did Shakespeare write the way that he write, wrote? Why did he write a particular play? What was the message he was trying to convey? So that context matters. The beautiful thing about the Book of Mormon is the only context you need to worry about is studying it with the Spirit 
and with an eye towards revelation. That's it. That's the context. It's not a historical, it's not a, it's not a time focused context. The Book of Mormons is, is, um, is what you need to rely on. That's not the angle. The angle is it was received by revelation. It was translated by revelation and we as partakers of it need to receive it with the spirit of revelation. That's all the context you need. You don't have to go back and understand everything that was going on in the world in which the Nephites and the Lamanites existed. All you need is the spirit and everything that, that you can learn out of the Book of Mormon can be had just by having that context right there. Receive it with the spirit of revelation. You're telling me the Book of Mormon, the purpose isn't to teach us what kind of DNA the Native Americans no, are supposed that's... to have? <laughs> Man, we're not even getting into that conversation today. <laughs> no, the point is the context, the historical context you need to have is revelation. That's how it was written translated and that's how oh. we are to receive it at the end of the title page i pulled it up here so it, it it said it was written by the spirit of prophecy and revelation and then it says if there are faults they are the mistakes of men wherefore condemn not the things of god that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of christ so how can it be written by prophecy and revelation and then potentially have faults within it so that all that seems like that seems like it's it's contradicting itself. Well, it certainly seems like it is trying to, you know, kind of have both sides speak out of both sides of its mouth. You know, where hey, this is this is truth and and it's perfect. But if there's not, don't worry, that's just the false amendment. But that's really not what it's seeking to do. It's not trying to have its cake and eat it too, right? Essentially, it's exactly what we said. It contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel. However, there may be aspects of it that are. Outside of that, whatever they may be secular components of the story that's that's being used to paint the picture mm -hmm. that the Spirit's trying to convey, whatever it may be, does are, are there aspects of that that may be slightly off or, or that may not be exact from a historical perspective? Sure. But that does nothing to impact or affect the spiritual components that are being taught well, in the Book of Mormon. And that goes back to the whole purpose. It's not a history book. Right. Yep. The purpose of the Book of Mormon... Has, it's a spiritual purpose. It's to convince the world that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. And it's a witness, keystone of the religion. It's a, it's a prophetic proof of the restoration of the gospel. But the purpose of the Book of Mormon is it's not a history book. right? The, the inspired and divine translation of the, of the Book of Mormon was intended to convey the spiritual message, the fullness of the gospel, correctly what joseph smith was doing when he was translating the, the plates right he was he was not worried about oh let me make an academically perfect translation of these reformed egyptian glyphs into the english alphabet no he was taking the plates he was given through the power of god and through revelation he was then given a translation of the book of mormon that we have today that is spiritually correct it is spiritually correct. It is doctrinally correct. The principles are that is in the book will lead you to Christ. Yeah. The narratives and the history and, and whatever's in there. Okay, if they're okay, there's there can be faults of men. It was written by men, it was translated by a man. There can be faults of men 
in in the words and in the translation, and that's fine because it is still spiritually correct. It serves its purpose of convincing the reader that Jesus is the Christ and the eternal God, yeah. and that that is where we should look to him and through his organization and his church and his priesthood, that is where we should look and we should go for salvation and for eternal life. In that respect, it's perfect. It fulfills its mission. It does its job. And we can get all of that out of it if that's what we go into it looking for. We go into it with that spirit of prophecy and revelation. Yeah. Well, and I I think actually what what it's trying to convey here when it says, if there are faults or there are mistakes of men, wherefore... Condemn not the things of God, meaning focus on the higher things here. Focus on the things of God. Why? Because that's ultimately what's going to allow you to be found spotless before the judgment seat of, of, of Christ. And it's interesting that it, it doesn't matter what, what they're trying to convey here is it doesn't matter about the secular or the, the, the temporal, the worldly things that are being discussed or, or talked about in the Book of Mormon. Those don't matter. For instance, one of the early early um, criticisms I heard of the Book of Mormon years ago growing up in the South was, you know, oh, it talks about horses. Well, we know horses didn't arrive in the New World until the Spanish came here. For a time, people couldn't argue that. Well, now we know that's absolutely not true. Like, there were horses here even before the Spanish were here that predated them bringing them over from, from Western Europe, you know. And so, as time goes by, there may be secular parts of the Book of Mormon that aren't proven true, but it doesn't matter because what they're saying here is don't focus on the things of men. Don't focus on those aspects of the Book of Mormon. Focus on the things of God that are contained within the Book of Mormon because that fullness is there. And that's ultimately what, what you know, how can you be found spotless before the judgment seat of Christ? You take upon yourself the, the fullness of his mercy and his grace. That's what's being conveyed in the Book of Mormon. You receive that grace, and then you can stand spotless before him. Those are the things the Book of Mormon is trying to get people to focus on. What about goats? (laughs) Not not getting into that conversation right now. (laughs) All right. Uh, And then we go into the introduction. Let's keep moving here. Uh, We have the introduction of the Book of Mormon, which is a modern edition. Um. And it's it's just kind of giving the person, the investigator, the who the reader who's new to the Book of Mormon, a broader overview of what it is and its purpose. And it says it's comparable to the Bible, meaning that it's a book of Holy Scripture. And then it says it contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel. Now we have to be careful here because there's an there's easily two hours of content just in that sentence alone. Well, we did a, we we pretty much did another podcast almost on that exclusively. Yes. Yeah. If you're interested in that, <laughs> go to our Gospel Mysteries podcast. Yeah. We just spoke like an hour and a half on what that means, the fullness of the gospel. How does the Book of Mormon contain the fullness of the gospel? And uh, long story short, it does. <laughs> And it does in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different ways you can interpret that, and and there's a lot of different things that that means. And we actually just, I mean, we just briefly touched on some of that just now, and that the doctrine and the principles and what it represents, that all plays a part in being the fullness of the gospel, in teaching the gospel and the doctrine, but also in pointing the reader to the correct place and organization of the priesthood and where the fullness of salvation can be found, where those ordinances, that authority is available to us. 
Uh, and for this purpose, Joseph Smith said that it's the keystone of our religion and that we could get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book because it, it teaches a doctrine correctly and completely in a, in a complete context and through the lens of, of a people and a church that actually was applying all of them correctly. And, you know, it was written by authors that were, were writing with the purpose of, of, of it being a continuous work. And so you get a lot of context and a lot of help from that, but perhaps more importantly is that it, it points you to the place where you can be taught more fully and, and, and be brought into the correct ordinances and to the correct organization of Christ. And then lastly in the introduction, it, it kind of goes into Moroni's promise, which is, and it gives an invitation for all men everywhere to read the book, to ponder it in, uh, in our hearts, and, and ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if the book is true. And it says, those who pursue this course and ask in faith will gain a testimony of its truth and divinity by the power of the Holy Ghost. Those who gain this divine witness from the Holy Spirit will also come to know by the same power that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that Joseph Smith is his revelator and prophet in these last days, and that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the Lord's kingdom once again established on the earth preparatory to the second coming of the Messiah. And if there's one thing that we can offer anyone who's listening to this is our testimony that this is true. That if you read the Book of Mormon, ponder it, pray to God in the name of Christ, you can receive an answer and know for a fact that it is true. Right? The, the following pages are testimonies of men who gained this knowledge and knew that it was true. But you don't even have to rely on them. You can know that the Book of Mormon is true. I have received this witness. Nathan has received this witness. It's available to all of us as a promise. And we tell you definitively that God is good on that promise. If you want that answer, it doesn't matter if you're investigating the church or you're a lifelong member, if you would like that answer, if you would like knowledge, not just faith, but knowledge that the Book of Mormon is true, it is available to you. But it's, it's not going to come from us. Right. It has to come from God. It has to come from a spiritual witness of the Holy Ghost. Well, and that's the beautiful thing is when God says he's no respecter of persons. That's quite literal. I mean, for, for somebody like me who's gone through the things I've gone through and, and well, frankly, turned my back on him as many times as I have in the past. But then finally, through a desire to be humble and then, and then in some respects being forced to be humble, allowing him to, to kind of take over my life and then line upon line, truly seeking real, real knowledge of these things, having my own personal witness of these things and sure enough, just as it's written out here, it's it's not this understanding of all-encompassing, oh, it's all true. No, the beautiful thing is the Holy Ghost will bear witness of these things individually, one by one. And you 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 can look back and think on it, and I do this now just talking about it. I know exactly where I was when I received that personal manifestation and understanding of knowledge that the Book of Mormon is true and the Word of God. 
I know exactly where I was when I received a divine witness that Jesus is the Christ, the Redeemer of the world. Where I was when I received my revelation on Joseph Smith, the prophet, I truly was seeking. I wanted to know, and I wasn't afraid to ask God. I knew that he would deliver that to me in his time, but when he did, it was unmistakable. Mm-hmm. At that point, you knew, and and it's not, hey, Nathan, all of these things are true. Now go on and, and live a good life. No, he will make it unique and specific wow. to each of and those things. And what's amazing is that, like you said, I, you said, I, I know exactly where I was when it happened. It's such an impactful, it leaves such a mark on you because yeah. that's how powerful that witness is that you can, you can go back into your mind and you can paint the entire picture and you can relive that experience because it's, it, that moment becomes so burned into, in, into your soul and who you are. It becomes so vivid and it, it's almost like you can, you can at will kind of go back in time and, 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 and bring that same witness, that same spirit back into your life. Yeah. And it's a foundation that you can rely on. Mm. When 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 confusion hits you or doubts hits you, that's something that you can go back to and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. I know that the Book of Mormon is true, mm-hmm. and therefore I know all these other things built on top of it are true. Therefore, this doubt, this piece of confusion, there's an answer out there. I, I can figure this out. Yeah. If if I don't get it now, it'll come later. You 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 can have faith for things that you don't understand and still have a foundation." of these things that are true. Yeah, it creates a deep well of of um, faith and perseverance and surviving the trials and the tests that we are here to walk through. I mean, it it is a reservoir that is deep. And once you gain that personal witness, I mean, you can you can count on it to say I know that those things are true. And frankly, what it does is it then puts into proper context the other aspects of, of truth and of knowledge that we're seeking to obtain. Some things don't really matter. The truth is, I know Jesus Christ is the Savior. I know the prophet Joseph Smith was called and ordained to be such in this dispensation. I know the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. And anything outside of that, it's like, well, sure, it'd be nice to know, but it doesn't really matter once I've received that witness. Or on the flip side, hey, it may really matter, but in the Lord's due time, he will reveal further truth to me. He'll receive, or I can receive further light from him. However, I have a foundation that allows me to con- to continue to walk the covenant path, the Savior's path, while I'm waiting on this additional light and knowledge that I'm seeking after. And and he'll continue to give that to you. But these foundational components will carry you through down that path leading towards him. So we'll probably wrap it up here. So. Uh, we don't want these episodes to get too long. Yeah, but that was that was a principle, a main point of the manual when looking at the witnesses, the three eight witnesses, and the and the testimony of Joseph Smith, is that those are some unbelievable pieces of testimony. But more important than that is that we can each be a witness of the Book of Mormon, yeah. and not a faith based witness, but we can have knowledge that it is true, and we can we could sign our names alongside them as though we had also seen an angel of the Lord and seen the plates in front of us, we could have the same surety and the same knowledge as them. Right? The Book of Mormon was brought forth miraculously. We have so many witnesses to those miracles, angels, visions, and manifestations. We can have the same knowledge. Mm. 
the Holy Ghost can testify to you that the Book of Mormon is true. Period. If we get one thing out of this, this uh, the lesson this week, I want it to be that. Each and every one of us can, should, and must become witnesses of this book. And that brings with it a surety and a witness that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. And that is our testimony. That is my testimony that I bring in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I might just add in regards to the the, the testimony of the three witnesses and the, the testimony of the eight witnesses. It's fascinating that the three witnesses beheld an angel. They, they witnessed... Um, you know, the veil parting, so to speak, and beheld the plates. The eight witnesses, they beheld the plates, but not from an angel. The prophet Joseph w- was allowed to show them and, and let them touch and, and, and see the plates in, in reality. And yet so many of these men, although never denied the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon, they did not deny the witness they received of of the reality of the Book of Mormon, many of them, for one reason or another, um, had issues with the church at, at certain points, and many as, came back. As a man-run organization. Yes, yes, as a, as a mortal, you know, uh, um, um, telestial organization that is run by telestial men or beings at this point, they found faults where where you know whether they were justified in finding those faults or not but the point is they never denied why do i say all that because the truth is you can gain just as profound as you said you can gain just as profound of a witness as as one who literally saw with their eyes and beheld with their hands the physical copy of the book of mormon and yet they were able to be deceived. And so what the Lord is showing you here is one, it's it's interesting that the Book of Mormon has personal witnesses that were around during its day to testify of it and regardless of other issues they may have had, never denied that. You know, that's something that other books of scripture don't have, you know, including the the, the Bible. They don't have that personal witness available to to people today. But two, it shows how important it is not to just focus on what you see with your physical eyes because you can see those things with your physical eyes but that does not develop a a foundation of faith and eternal knowledge to lead you through whatever may come you have to receive it from the holy ghost and clearly some of these men who received this personal witness did not have the attributes or live a lifestyle that continued to allow them to walk with the Holy Ghost as their guide. They didn't have that blessing. And that is a, a warning to each of us to where greater than seeing with your physical eyes and beholding things with your physical hands is that, that constant influence and walking hand in hand with the Holy Ghost leading and guiding you and relying on the witness he gives you. Because that is a sure witness that will carry you through whatever um, discrepancies or confusions or tests or trials that may come. He will carry you through that where the physical things cannot. They, you will be deceived 
if that's what you rely on is is the physical world. Nathan, would you close us out with, with your testimony? One of the things I love about the prophet Joseph Smith and his testimony of the Book of Mormon is it wasn't a situation where he gained access to the plates and immediately began the work of translation. That he had to go back every year for four years. The angel Moroni was there each time to meet him. And that there was this process of receiving intelligence and knowledge and and, um, and, and wisdom. It was this attribute of preparation. If, if the prophet was going to sow the fruits of, of what the Lord needed, he was going to bring to pass this new, the, these revelations to the world. He had to be prepared to do it. And clearly there was an entire four-year period where he was constantly being prepared to do that. And it required humility. It required a willingness on his part. And frankly, when he did mess up to admit, okay, I'm off the mark here, I'm wrong, and to readjust and to recalibrate. My witness is that that is exactly what is happening to us. The Spirit is constantly trying to help us recalibrate. It's preparing us to receive the revelations that the Lord is willing to give to us but we're either not seeking them or our life is not aligned or in tuned in, in with, with um, righteous living to receive them. There are things that are preventing us from being prepared to receive the revelations that the Lord has in store for us. And what my testimony is, just like the preparation that had to take place for the Book of Mormon to come forth and that miracle that it exists today, those miracles are pending in your life. Those revelations and, and those gifts directly from God are pending. They are just waiting there for you to receive them. However, you have got to, to create the fertile soil in which those blessings can be received and can actually make a difference in your life. Seeing an angel doesn't change you. It's when you have a fertile foundation where you have a miracle like that, that changes you. That leaves an indelible mark on you that affects every aspect of who you are. But if, if the soil is, is bad, if the foundation is no good, it doesn't matter what the Lord sends to you at that point. You've got to be prepared to receive it. And, and my testimony is if you'll just stop and listen and obey in whatever capacity you can, however small you can give, whatever small change you can make today, as you do that, the Lord will prepare you until that day when you start to receive legitimate, real revelations, insights, personal witnesses, truth directly from the Father. And all of that's available to everybody. He's waiting to give it to everybody. We've got to prepare to receive it. And when we do that, just, just be ready for the floodgates to open. Because when there's fertile ground, you will receive more in, in, in greater quantities and in faster timelines than you ever knew possible. And you will become a new creature circling back to what we were discussing and in the start of the manual and, and what we are seeking to become. The Lord is prepared to do that for you. You've got to give him the space and the opportunity to do it. 
I bear witness of him in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.